days at the playground or right out in the street. Baseball made life complete. Hi, I'm Steve Faroli, and you're listening to the podcast of Ted Williams League Headquarters. As promised in a previous podcast, we have extracted the audio from our first five video clips entitled Saving Youth Baseball. These video clips can be seen in their entirety by clicking on the playlist entitled Saving Youth Baseball at Ted Williams slash Steve Faroli Baseball on our YouTube channel. Again, Ted Williams slash Steve Faroli Baseball is our YouTube channel. Without further ado, here is Saving Youth Baseball, the podcast, episodes one through five. And if there's anybody that I know of, player, coach, teacher, student, or anybody that I've ever talked about hitting, he knows, he knows more about my principles that I believe in hitting than anyone I've ever been with. Hi, I'm Steve Faroli, author, batting instructor, baseball camp owner, and Ted Williams League commissioner. Years ago, a friend of mine said, you know, Steve, nobody does anything in this world to make a difference. And another friend of mine said, you know, if we stumble upon something or something stumbles upon us, when we know we can make a difference, we have a responsibility to try to take action. I think both friends were right. Well, I have a very exciting project that certainly will help millions of people. And if you can see what I see, I'm sure it will stir your interest and summons your action. I cannot take on this project alone. Like so many, I love the game of baseball. Um, This amazing game is part of our national conversation daily, year round. Um, It owns a stitch in our flag. Um, And it is clearly something we both do and watch that defines us as Americans. During the Civil War, the worst years of our country's history, the Union and Confederate armies would play baseball both between themselves and against each other on days free of battle. Hillrich and Bradsbury Bat Company sold a million baseball bats during the Civil War years. Baseball is part of who we are and will remain in our interest in the good times and the bad. As a physical education major at Bridgewater State College, now University, I remember studying various games and how the games were designed. And I remember thinking about what skills were required for the participants of the game to reach the game's objective. I always thought that baseball's design, its pace, and its requirements for success were much like that of life itself. I once called it a kid's dress rehearsal for life, and I I mean that. In 1994, my love for the game was rewarded when American hero Ted Williams, the undisputed forefather of technical hitting, would name me the number one teacher of his world-famous science of hitting theory. For over 30 years, I have given back to the game, writing two hitting books and a hitting video DVD, 
running winter indoor programming, building my own day and overnight baseball camp, and co-founding the Ted Williams Baseball League with Ted Williams. It is with a heavy heart and twice the frustration to say that in my opinion, youth baseball is a fading game, an endangered level of play. In this presentation, which I have entitled Saving Youth Baseball, I am going to show you specifically why the game is fading and also encourage you to do your part in a plan to help strengthen it. If I have asked you to watch this baseball presentation, or if a colleague or some of our friends shared this baseball presentation with you, you most likely are a baseball parent or a baseball coach. However, in addition, you may be on the board of directors of your local baseball program. You may be in the health profession or a part of the media. You may be a community leader in sports, like a high school, a college, uh, or a professional baseball organization. You may be, in addition to that, a sponsor of youth baseball. Um, you may be uh, in the political world, holding a local or state or federal position. I encourage all our viewers to watch all the clips and to watch them in sequential order. Also, if you've been following along with the Ted Williams League and you want to get involved right now, please use our contact information below. Thanks for watching. We'll see you in clip number two. I'm Steve Faroli. Get a good pitch to hit. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number two. About a year ago, I started saying to some of our baseball parents that I was thinking of putting together a video um, youth baseball presentation. I always knew what I was working on was extremely important, but I didn't realize that the complexity and depth of decades of work would be so difficult to convey in a casual way after a game or a practice. Often I would find myself um, engaging in these geometric and algebraic cutting-edge baseball conversations with parents that were really just novices in the game. And a, uh, a video presentation seemed like the only possible answer. Um, also, a lot of times driving home I would feel foolish for the enthusiasm that I would have in these conversations only to be met by uh, a courtesy smile or a blank face. In our last clip, I referred to youth baseball as a fading game, as an endangered level of play. But I think better said is to view it as a level of play that was created with its failure inevitable. In the mid-80s, I was watching a summer camp game with 10, 11-year-old players and something was just not right. There was something off about that game, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. With my mindset being out of the box, thinking out of the box, boom, just, just hit me. The plate's too big. The plate is too big for these boys' bodies. And, uh, Immediately, all the boys at my camp 
and all the boys around the world at this age were playing off a man-sized plate. It became obvious to me. And this immediately raised questions because I knew that if they were on a man-sized plate, their little arms and little bats could not defend that plate. The plate simply was not scaled down properly. This picture really corrals the problem. Now, how does this happen? In the late 30s, early 40s, a lumber yard manager named Carl Stotts from Pennsylvania grabs his two nephews who love baseball. They get some friends, and in one summer, they go out into an open field, and they put down newspapers for bases, and they try to rescale baseball for children. Um, what Kyle didn't understand was this was a mammoth undertaking. During the formative years, Kyle brought his idea of scaling down baseball to Pennsylvania State University, their physical education recreation department. And after careful deliberation, Penn State told Kyle that they were concerned both over some of his dimensions and also whether a volunteer parent could coach their own children or others. Kyle knew the plate should be smaller. He states it in this book, A Promise Kept. But with a country coming out of the Great Depression, funding is scarce, and he makes the decision to go ahead with the man-sized home plate. In the Ted Williams League, we have found that the oversized plate is just one of several miscalculations that leads to arm injuries, excessive hit batters, and a general lack of youth baseball action. The Ted Williams League, which plays with three different sized home plates that grow with the hitter's arm length and bat length, has had a fantastic track record of arm safety and has decreased hit batters by 48%. Now you may have heard of this organization that Kyle started. It is called Little League. Today, it is called Little League Baseball of America. And 70 years after this miscalculation, they are still playing on a 17-inch plate. But they are not alone. Babe Ruth, 17-inch plate. AAU, 17-inch plate. Every league that I know of that plays youth baseball between the ages of 8 and 14, 17-inch plate. It is mathematically out of scale, and as far as I'm concerned at this point, proven unsafe by years of Ted Williams League play at a new standard. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number three. Before we go a step further, I think it's really important to take a time out. It may seem as though we're trying to sell something here, and we really are not. It also, more importantly, may seem that we are criticizing the thousands of men and women, volunteer men and women, that put youth baseball on the field 
each year. We are not. That is not our intention. What we are trying to do is relay important baseball information for the sake of the players to all the youth baseball participants. We are not criticizing the people in youth baseball. We are trying to upgrade the format for a better youth baseball experience. And why? Because we do believe that baseball can be a kid's dress rehearsal for life. And we do believe we can help and therefore feel a responsibility to try. What we're trying to do is to take a positive action for all the participants of youth baseball. Not just the players, but the players, the coaches, the umpires. All the participants of youth baseball will be affected by these changes. Not to try would simply be un-American. This is the Ted Williams League logo and it displays Ted Williams' classic swing along with his Hall of Fame signature. But maybe more important below are these humble words, Steve Faroli's study, 1987 to 1997. When I say I'm trying to relay important information, I mean years of study and research by someone with a college background in physical education and a burning dedication to this game. I personally really like Carl Stotts and um, I think he would have liked me. Uh, kids in baseball, I've said it a hundred times, he was trying to help kids by using the game of baseball. And what people don't realize is his Little League Baseball was the first out of the gate, the first up the hill. There was no basketball, soccer, football, uh, hockey. Uh, it was kids baseball. His design was first. And um, uh, you've got to start somewhere. And uh, his work will always be respected here in the Ted Williams League. He got the ball rolling. It's perfect time for a quiz. In clip number one, I had talked about several roles or occupations that are connected to youth baseball. When we talk about making youth baseball changes, only one of them is the most significant. Can you guess or can you pick which one? While all these roles certainly will be important uh, in the changes that I am suggesting, there is only one group that can really take a full swing and get the ball in the air and that is the youth baseball parent. We'll talk about why in our next clip. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number four. In our last clip, we identified the baseball parent as the most pivotal person or the most pivotal role in saving youth baseball. The reason we feel that way is because at the end of the day, the baseball parent is in control or responsible for the people who comprise youth baseball, being the players. Therefore, we feel that it is most important to try to educate the baseball parent first. So let the education begin. But before we start, I want to say this. From all my experience in regard to the changes that I am suggesting, suggesting there is no question in my mind that the baseball mother will be more effective than the baseball dad. 
More on this later. The origin of the Ted Williams League can be traced back to the 80s when I looked up and said, boy, that plate is too big. Whether it be 1980 or 2020, when a youth league player is batting on an oversized plate, the result is the same. Boring, dangerous, and non-progressive. Now, why would I say this? What has led me to this conclusion? The problem with a young boy playing with a man-sized home plate is easiest to see or comprehend when we view the large home plate from a pitcher's point of view. The pitcher pitching to a man-sized home plate is pitching to a strike zone or target that's bigger than the youth league hitter can defend with his smaller arms and bat. Let me say that again. The pitcher pitching to a man-sized home plate is pitching to a strike zone or target that is bigger than the young hitter can defend with smaller arms and a smaller bat. Now we really should be able to just stop this right here. End of discussion. If the youth league batter cannot defend the youth league home plate correctly, his game is unjust, unfair, incorrect, and therefore in violation to the baseball rule book. All rule books, hockey, football, basketball, baseball, they're all designed for fairness. That is to say that the continuous hitting of the hitter against the pitcher, the very heart of this game, is not scaled down in such a way to be what it is meant to be in the game of baseball. Remember, youth baseball was scaled down from adult baseball. Saving Youth Baseball, clip number five. Often I have made the case that youth baseball played on a 17-inch plate or a man-sized home plate isn't baseball at all. It's something that looks like baseball and similar to baseball to people that can't see the difference. More on that later. So what actually happens to the youth league pitcher when he pitches to a man-sized home plate in a game? When the pitcher pitches to the man-sized home plate, because the plate is bigger, because the target is bigger, the strike zone is bigger, the youth league pitcher is introduced to pitching at a faster overall speed than he should be. I'm going to say that again. The youth league pitcher is introduced to pitching at a faster overall speed than he should be. When we couple this ball thrown at an overall higher speed with the stunted reach of the hitter's arms and bats, the pitcher tends to dominate youth baseball. However, during what seems to be successful pitching, he often is just as wild 
hitting batters and walking batters. The youth league pitcher's success is a false success. He is granted uh, extra velocity from an unjust environment and this extra velocity now shapes his opinion or definition of what the skill of pitching is. And in my opinion, it is a terrible definition and a terrible introduction to what pitching means to baseball. Does any of this sound familiar? Because if you're at any of these games, it is happening right in front of your face. Here is something that may not be so familiar to you. There is a medical condition called Little League Elbow, and it is a micro-tear, a tearing away of the tendon from the elbow slowly over the course of time that affects 20 to 50% of all boys that play youth baseball between the ages of 8 and 14. It is my guess that the man-sized home plate is the main reason for this condition. In 18 seasons of Ted Williams League play, using three different sized home plates that grow with the hitter's body, we have never had a case of Little League Elbow. Not one case. As a matter of fact, they should change the name to Man-Sized Plate League Elbow or Oversized Plate League Elbow because it's not just Little League, it is any league that is playing on the man-sized home plate. In my opinion, from everything I have seen in the Ted Williams League, these other leagues are placing these players directly in harm's way. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast of the audio of our video presentation, Saving Youth Baseball Clips 1 through 5. If you have any questions on these clips or any of our podcasts, and you'd like to elaborate on some part, please email us at tedwilliamsleague at yahoo.com or message us on our Facebook page, Ted Williams Baseball League. A shout out to the foreman, Ryan McDonald, trying to pitch and hit the ball in the fall up in New Hampshire. I'm Steve Foroli from Hanson, Massachusetts. Get a good pitch to hit. I called on you to spark up all my fun. Days at the playground or right out in the street. Baseball, baseball.